Well, good morning. Welcome to our Sunday School Hour at Long Hill Baptist Church. We sang God is so good. Uh, he is. Amen. We have a, a, a wonderfully good God, and that's, of course, a great understatement. Uh, he's a God who answers prayer. He's a God who loves us. He's a God who's, well, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. And, and no doubt that is the case. Of course, each day brings his return closer. And uh, the rapture, of course, is the first part of his return. And what a, what a joyful day that will be. What a joyful day that will be, Brother Ray. Uh, no more troubles. <laughs> no more aches and pains. No more physical trials. Uh, no more trials at all. That'll be a joyful day. That'll be a joyful day indeed. That's, of course, our, our great hope. In Christ, our resurrection uh, to perfected bodies, uh, no more sin nature, and then an eternity with our Savior, uh, with the millennium to look forward to, a new heaven and a new earth to look forward to, the joys of uh, eternal rewards for our service as Christians. We have a great deal uh, to look forward to when you're frustrated about things happening in the world, when you're frustrated with um, coronavirus trials and uh, different things, boy, try to focus and, and be thankful for all the hope that we have, and certainly don't forget that God is at work in these same trials. Well, take your Bible this morning. Let's jump back into 1 John uh, chapter 4 this morning, 1 John chapter 4, making our way in the Sunday school hour through uh, 1 John uh, verse by verse, and this morning we, we do come to uh, chapter 4, we'll jump in here this morning at verse 1, and uh, Zach, I don't think I prayed yet, did I? Better, probably better stop and pray, let's do that. Father, we do thank you this morning for uh, our church, for the Bible, uh, for our salvation, for Savior, for the certainty of our salvation and eternal life. Lord, thank you for the certainty that you are a good God. All that you do is good. Everything that you do is consistent with all that you are. You're good, you're loving, you're merciful, you're gracious. Yes, you're just, and you do have a wrath at sin, uh, but you're, you're all the things that we know you are. We thank you for that this morning. Father, thank you for your words this morning. Thank you for those things that you reveal and those things that you remind us of. Uh, those things that you teach us, I pray, Father, that we'd have a heart to learn from you and your words now. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, John will uh, eventually return here to the topic of evidences of salvation and love being a chief evidence that John addresses in, in this epistle. But en route to that, en route to returning to that topic here, uh, we have some very important instruction here regarding uh, the fact that there is the Holy Spirit. We understand that, uh, but there are other spirits in the world today. Brother Ray, we understand that uh, there are real demons in the world today. They're uh, created angels who rebelled against God in heaven. Of course, the Lord prevailed against them because he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And he's just, so they suffered a consequence for their rebellion, just as man uh, who rebels and who does not repent will, will suffer consequences. These angels were cast out of heaven and have continued their rebellion against God. Of course, they're, they're demons today. Uh, to the extent that a ghost is real, something that's real, of course, that would be a demon. 
uh, not the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Ghost, who is one of the persons of the Godhead. And Paul reminds us here in the first three verses of this epistle that uh, there are evil spirits and we are in a spiritual battle with them and that they are attempting as one of their, I'm not sure if it's a strategy or a tactic, but one of their goals um, is to corrupt our thinking about Christ and about uh, various doctrines that relate to Christ. They understand that if they can cause people or lead people to believe falsehoods about Christ, uh, they may be able to either prevent salvation uh, and or prevent people from serving the true Christ. And so one of their goals is to do all they can to corrupt doctrine and uh, John warns about that aspect of our spiritual battle here in the beginning of chapter 4. And um, this is a, a familiar verse here, I believe, in verse 1. He says, Beloved, there's that tender address, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but, okay, instead of doing that, what should we do? Well, try the spirits. Uh, try the spirits. This, this word has uh, the idea of examining or weighing or discerning, uh, proving, weigh, weigh what the Spirit, uh, it seems to be communicating, the thought that the Spirit seems to be uh, uh, driving toward. What, what truth or untruth does the Spirit seem to advocate? Uh, weigh that against the Word of God, which is forever settled in heaven. It's unchanging. Uh, and try to discern if the spirit that seems to be uh, influencing you is influencing you uh, to uh, truth according to God's word as defined in God's word or not. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Um, all are created by God, but only some, only some, uh, advocate for the Lord and advocate for Bible truth. Of course, the Holy Spirit always does that. The Holy Spirit always does that. He says, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And we understand today that there are many false prophets in the world today who are, uh, according to scripture, under the influence of evil spirits. Uh, we might say false spirits, uh, demonic influence. Uh, false prophets who teach false doctrine are in one way or another, or perhaps in multiple ways, influenced, uh, influenced demonically. We understand that this morning. Uh, false doctrine is demonically influenced. One who teaches false doctrine uh, is therefore necessarily uh, under the influence, whether it's direct or indirect, um, of the demonic spirit. He says in verse 2, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Well, uh, what are some ways that, that we can know that we're under the influence or being led by the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit of God? And, uh, and John gives us an example, uh, an example here. He says, um, midway through verse 2, he says, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. He says in verse 3, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ came, sorry, is come in the flesh, uh, is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist. So we understand, and you recall, we, we've looked at this a number of times 
this year. Uh, in the first century, one of the false doctrines that was circulating was this so-called doketic Gnosticism. There won't be a quiz on that, but uh, doketic, D-O-C-E-T-I-C, Gnosticism, taught that Jesus did not come with a physical body, uh, that he only appeared uh, to come with a physical body. The implication of that, of course, is that uh, he could not have shed uh, actual, real, physical blood upon the cross. And uh, that, of course, would be problematic because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission uh, according to Scripture. And, and we understand that shedding of blood requires shedding of blood, Zachary. The, the Lord has been clear about that. So um, there's a, a false teaching that is demonic and evidently uh, influenced uh, demonically that Christ only came with a, with a spiritual body, not, not a physical body. Now, uh, have, is there, can we see, let me try that again, can we see uh, evidence of this uh, false demonic influence, well, true, true demonic influence in some of the false faiths of the world? Zachary, you recently taught about Islam, and I, I think you covered, I can't remember for sure, but I think you covered the teaching that uh, Islam doesn't deny that there was a man, Christ, who came, uh, but they do not believe that he actually was crucified with a physical body, that he died and rose again with a physical body. They, uh, they deny that critical uh, aspect of the doctrine of Christ. Um, the founder of Islam, Muhammad, of course, uh, believes that he was uh, met by angels on one or more occasions who dictated uh, the Quran to him. And I have no doubt, <laughs> Zach, that, uh, that that probably was the case. Uh, no doubt he was, uh, he did encounter angels who dictated the Quran to him uh, and offered this teaching that Christ, although he was real, uh, and personal, he did not go to the cross with a real body, suffer a physical death, uh, be buried and rise again physically. Well, that error goes back to the first century, uh, well before the seventh century that Muhammad met up with no doubt false spirits. And so uh, we see that this issue was not just an issue in the first century, but it, it's a lie that demons have continued to tell uh, throughout the centuries, and it's a lie that goes right to the heart of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If your Savior did not, was not incarnate, if he did not become incarnate uh, at his uh, conception, uh, he's not the only begotten son, and he did not shed blood for your uh, sin. He did not uh, raise, he, did not, he was not resurrected physically, and did not ascend into heaven physically. Well, we know the Bible teaches differently, uh, and yet the demons desire to corrupt this teaching uh, in order to distract people from the true Christ of Scripture and to cause their attention to fall on to a false Christ. Listen, I'm going to say again this morning, if, if your faith is not in the Lord Jesus Christ of Scripture, there, there is no saving faith. Uh, if you've placed your faith in something that is not the only way that you can be saved, uh, you'll not be saved. Uh, you could put your faith in a tree uh, and, and mean that genuinely. And we'll, we'll look at this idea again in the 11 o'clock hour and put uh, fervent uh, faith uh, 
uh, in a tree. Well, a tree has no power to save you, and neither does a unbiblical false Christ. Uh, and the demons, of course, understand that. So this be a strategy they have to uh, try to corrupt the doctrine of Christ and, and lead people into the false worship of a false Christ. Uh, it's, a smart, it's a smart strategy for them, and it's one that has proven very effective for them. And so one of our goals as biblicist believers is to know the Christ of Scripture and to help those who have fallen into worship of a false Christ see that there is no salvation in a false Christ and that they need to come to the true Christ. Uh, of course, one thing that comes to mind is not only um, Muslims, um, but we're, we're perhaps more likely to encounter and deal with um, those who are practicing uh, what? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the so-called Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, uh, of course, have a false Christ who is the brother of Lucifer and um, you know, just so many other false doctrines associated with their false Christ. We need to help people understand who the Christ of Scripture is. Uh, everyone has an inclination to be religious. Uh, the Lord's not interested in that. He's interested in faith in the one true Christ of Scripture. Well, so we, we've, seen, we've seen this idea here. There are false spirits uh, attempting to lead us into uh, belief in a false Christ. Uh, second part of verse 3 says, this is that spirit of antichrist, a spirit that leads one to uh, believe in and worship a false Christ is actually antichrist. And that, that just makes good sense uh, logically. He says, where have ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. So we understand that there are antichrist spirits, demons, in the world today. We've looked at this idea recently. This is not the Antichrist of the seven-year tribulation period. That one will be revealed about halfway through the seven-year tribulation following the rapture, we believe, from Scripture. Uh, this is not the Antichrist, this man who will be demonically empowered, but we understand that there are perhaps the same, <laughs> the same well, I don't think perhaps, I think it's true necessarily, the same demons who will influence and empower the man who will be the antichrist of the tribulation period they are in the world today they are the spirit of antichrist today seeking to influence as many people today as they possibly can ultimately they will prevail with this man who is the antichrist uh, in the seven-year tribulation period so the same demons they're in the world today uh, trying to accomplish some of the same goals as best they can. How can we know if our thinking is being somehow influenced uh, by a demon, uh, a false spirit versus the Holy Spirit? You have to open your Bible uh, and see what it actually says. Uh, I'm going to offer this morning that you have to also be careful of which Bible you are using. You <laughs> have no doubt that one of Satan's related strategies has been to corrupt the word of God. And so you have uh, corrupted uh, Bible translations. Uh, I've, as you know, studied this at great length, and I've concluded that the only place we have an accurate uh, translation of the inspired and preserved words of God in English, in all of those words, 
uh, is the King James Bible. And so we praise God for our King James Bible and we'll continue to use it because it is just that. Uh, really, if you're using any of the other modern Bible translations, uh, you're missing as many words as, it, as appear in First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, and depending on which modern translation you're using, uh, you, you have varying degrees of paraphrase. Now, there's, there's at least one exception, but, but, but no attempt to give us a word-for-word -word translation, but rather a paraphrase. And so um, you, can't, you can't do that Matthew 4, 4 thing, living according to all of the words, because you don't have all of them unless you have a Bible that has all of God's words. Well, in our King James Bible, we have that, and so we are able to compare uh, and, uh, and discern, that would be a better word, we're able to discern what is biblical teaching versus what is false teaching that has been somehow influenced by demonic influence. And uh, we do that by comparing the teaching, the influence, the thoughts that enter into our minds to what the word of God actually says. Uh, be aware, be reminded this morning, we are in a true spiritual battle. The devil is doing all he can to influence our thinking uh, to be different than what the word of God <laughs> encourages. Uh, we must remain in our King James Bible to discern what is truth uh, versus what is demonically influenced. This is clear teaching of scripture uh, here in the first several verses of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. Well, look here um, at verse 4. Uh, here's some good news. John, John teaches here, and of course, the Holy Spirit has given John these words that uh, we are already in a position, a place of victory uh, over these uh, Antichrist spirits, uh, and it's, it's really not our victory as much as it is God's victory. Look at verse 4. He says, ye... Uh, all of you saved people, ye are of God. Uh, we're made by God. We, we, we've been, we were born uh, through the power and process ordained of God. We're reborn spiritually uh, through the process uh, that God ordained, uh, Christ and the cross and, and faith and grace. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Uh, who? Well, Antichrist spirits. Uh, and those who are influenced by them, he says, you have overcome them because, uh, see this phrase, please, because of what? Greater is he that is in who? You, all of, all of you, all of us, uh, than he that is in the world. This word uh, overcome here is also translated uh, conquer and prevail uh, and, and get the victory. Uh, we have a victory already over uh, demonic influence and, and those that are influenced by them. Uh, that influence will not continue forever. We understand that um, by the end of the, well, at the end of the millennium, uh, devil will be released for a time, but, but then ultimately uh, locked up in hell for, for eternity. Uh, his power is very limited. Uh, the power of temptation is broken at the cross, uh, we do have the word of God, uh, and we have God. We have God who is greater in every way than these fallen created beings uh, who are the fallen angels. They seek to influence, but their power to influence pales uh, greatly 
uh, in comparison to the power of God. We have a great God uh, who is, who is um, a God of great power. Um, who is the um, God that is in view here in verse 4? Um, well, normally we would understand God, the word G-O-D, to be a, a reference specifically to God the Father. It's worth considering here that in context, uh, in context, the one that is in us, uh, second part of verse 4, may allude specifically to the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, verses 1, 2, and 3, there's this idea of, of evil spirits. And then in verse 4, the one who is in us, uh, compared to that, uh, would al almost certainly specifically be the person uh, who is the Holy Spirit. Don't forget, please, how powerful the Spirit of God is. Uh, in, in Acts 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, and he was teaching about what would happen when he sent the Holy Spirit to uh, indwell believers. When he, when he prayed the Father to do that, uh, he said, but ye, all of us, shall receive power, power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Uh, well, how could that be? Well, the Holy Spirit is just as powerful as God the Father, God the Son, the same power. Uh, the Holy Spirit moved over the creation uh, at the point of creation, uh, co-creating with the Father and the Son. Uh, he has infinite power. He has infinite power. In Luke 1 and verse 35, uh, this, is, um, this is the account of Mary hearing from an angel, an elect angel, uh, what would happen to her. The, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the power, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be called the Son of God. Uh, no doubt, that's a great example, uh, a great testimony, a great illustration of the true power uh, of the Spirit of God. Please don't forget that we have the Spirit of God in us together with the Father and Son because of Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. And uh, no doubt he is in fact greater uh, than Satan and, and his colleagues in sin who are in the world today. Well, we have, we have, there's a very real sense in which we have a victory already. Uh, Satan and his demons understand that in the end, they will be defeated uh, finally in, in the sense that they'll be locked in hell and given no liberty whatsoever for all of eternity. Uh, in that sense, they are already defeated uh, in the sense that the only liberty they have is that which is permitted by God for his purposes. They are already defeated. Uh, they are already defeated in the sense that the, their power to influence uh, temptation uh, and to influence uh, false thinking about who Christ is and what he's like uh, is very limited because the Lord has supernaturally preserved his words and we have the ability to compare their false influence to the true words of God. Uh, and it's, it's the superior power of God that makes all of this possible. Uh, and of course, Christ, Christ factors greatly uh, into that equation. But let's see some more truths here, some more related truths. And in verse 5, John um, reveals and reminds that, uh, hey, false teachers are readily received by the world. Uh, true teaching is readily rejected 
Uh, but false demonic teaching is, is readily received by the world. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, they, false teachers influenced by antichrist spirits, they're of the world. They're of the world, not of God, they're of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, worldly things rather than heavenly things. <laughs> and then see verse 5, and the world heareth them. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, is, isn't that interesting? You, you see in the world today, the, 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 the secular powers of the world are often very happy uh, to cozy up to those who teach false doctrine. Uh, there's been a comfortable uh, partnership between civil authority and the Roman Catholic Church throughout uh, much of the last two millennia. Isn't that interesting? Uh, there, there's, a, there's a comfortable relationship between Islam and, and many of the civil powers of the world uh, since the seventh century. Of course, there's been, that's not always been a, a peaceful one, but, but today, certainly today, look out into the world today and see how the world has embraced Islam. Uh, look at the media and entertainment and the uh, all of the uh, concerted attempts of the world to normalize Islam uh, while at the same time trying to portray Christianity as uh, crazy, uh, anti-peace, um, unfriendly uh, craziness. Uh, the world is very comfortable with error, but not at all comfortable with the true Christ of Scripture the doctrine of salvation, and so forth. Uh, we ought not to be surprised by this or frustrated by this. It was true in the first century. It remains true today, and it'll only become more true over time. Don't be discouraged because the world rejects the truth of Scripture. Be encouraged that the Bible is true. The Bible says that would be the case. Don't let, don't let the world uh, marginalize you or, or cause you to think, well, hey, uh, nobody, al almost nobody is sticking with biblical Christianity. Uh, why should I? Why shouldn't I jump in with the, the so-called Chrislam crowd that mixes Islam and Christianity together? Don't think there won't be more pressure over time uh, to do that. Uh, why shouldn't I jump back to the mainline Protestant faith that uh, was the faith of my family for maybe several hundred years? Why shouldn't I just fall back into the, that? The world readily embraces that uh, because of the error. <laughs> That's the answer, because of the Antichrist error uh, of these faiths. Antichrist's uh, uh, false teachers influenced by demons are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. Uh, the, world, the world won't hear us except for those few uh, who the Lord chooses to give uh, conviction and, and faith. And, you know, praise God that there are still people who are being saved. And uh, we don't expect the whole world to be saved, but we do expect um, people to hear the gospel. We know they fall under conviction when they do. Uh, we know that the, 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 the preaching and teaching of the word of God uh, brings conviction and, and gives faith. Uh, some still respond to that. Some still respond to that. Look at verse 6. We, uh, we are of God, not of the world, but of God. Uh, he that knoweth God heareth us. 
uh, he that is not of God heareth not us. Now, this is John writing, and, and the us uh, evidently would refer to John uh, and uh, perhaps the apostles who were teaching and preaching and, uh, and writing, penning down scripture. Uh, Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Well, let me read the verse again. We are of God. Um, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Uh, the idea here would seem to be that uh, this, is, this is pointing to an evidence of, of salvation. Uh, the, your willingness to hear the word of God and to be influenced by the word of God rather than by false spirits uh, and antichrist persons who are influenced by false spirits, your willingness to take up the word of God and use it, employ it to discern truth from error, end of verse 6, uh, your willingness to do that and your ability to do that, well, that's an evidence of your salvation. Uh, if, if you're not someone who will just take in all the lies of Catholicism and mainline Protestantism and Islam and Chrislam and uh, all, all the, the, the sea of, of false uh, faiths that we are just an island <laughs> of safety within, uh, if you're willing to open the word of God and compare the messages uh, to what the word of God says to discern what is truth and what is error, be encouraged this morning that that is an evidence of your salvation. Uh, it is a proof of the truth that you are of God. Be encouraged by that. Don't be discouraged by, you know, the fact that there's error on every channel. Be, be encouraged, almost every, be encouraged that you have the word of God and the ability in God, in Christ, um, the enablement of the spirit of God because of Christ to discern truth from error. That's a evidence, a proof of the truth of your salvation. Well, with that, John returns and he begins uh, looking now at um, other evidences of salvation. And, you know, one of the major themes of the book, of course, is the, uh, the evidence of love. Why don't we begin looking at this just a bit, and um, uh, we'll wrap it up here shortly. But let's, let's look just uh, several more verses, uh, and then we'll end for this morning. So John returns in verse 7 to uh, the topic of uh, love, genuine biblical love, uh, being a, an evidence of salvation. Look at verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us, what is the word? What is the word? Love one another. For love is of whom? It's of God. We are of God. We saw that in last verse. And love is of God. Well, there's a logical connection here. Um, we are not only commanded to love, Remember, uh, that's in deed and in truth, doing love according to the truth of God's words, um, not loving in a way, uh, making up a way to love that is against the word of God, but loving according to the word of God. Uh, that's of God. And those of us who are of God, of course, we have the ability to do this because love is a fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Well, we understand born there would be a, a reference to the fact that we've been 
reborn spiritually, born again spiritually. Remember, you were born into the world with a sin nature, but spiritually alive. When you first committed that volitional sin, you suffered a spiritual death, and you remained spiritually dead until you heard the gospel and were spiritually born again uh, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. Uh, we, uh, we now know God. We know also the ability to demonstrate love. Uh, everyone that loveth, see the ETH ending there, that's ongoing, continual action. You look out in the world and find lost people who can you know, se seem to demonstrate love to each other, but they don't have the ability to do that continuously. You do. You do because you're of God, because the Holy Spirit is in you, uh, because this is a fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of your own desires or intentions or volition or zeal or anything else. It's, it's of God. Everyone that loveth, ongoing, continual love, is born of God. That's a fact. <laughs> uh, it's an evidence of the fact that you've been reborn and that you knoweth God. Uh, you didn't know him once and then, you know, didn't know him. ETH ending. You, you have an ongoing, continual relationship with the Lord. This is not implying that you could lose your salvation. Uh, it's, it's saying that uh, everyone that loveth is born of God and will continue to, to, and continue, uh, to know him. So, so understand that correctly, please. Uh, verse 8 spins it around or, or flips the coin over and says, He that loveth not knoweth not God. Okay, so if there's no ability to demonstrate love in an ongoing fashion continually, uh, there's no, that evidence of salvation is absent from one's life. The Bible says they knoweth not God. Uh, what's the reason here at the end of verse 8? For God is love. Isn't that interesting? Uh, for God is love. God is so much love that it defines him. It defines who he is and what he's like. If you are of God, uh, you, you have the ability to love in an ongoing, continual manner uh, because God is love. Uh, he, is, he is so much love that it defines who he is uh, and what he's like. Now, understand that we can list out many attributes and say God is this, God is that. I understand that, but if there is a single defining attribute, um, God is love. It defines who he is and what he's like, and it is because of that truth that a person who has been reborn, saved by grace through faith in Christ, uh, if someone has repented, turned from a desire to continue in sin, uh, and turned to Christ with a desire to be saved by him, uh, you've been saved, and you can exercise love because God enables that. The God who is love enables that. What a great truth. What a great truth. Uh, Lord, help us to demonstrate love to each other today when we come into our 11 o'clock church service. Give us a heart to take a moment and uh, spend a moment with um, brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them, uh, if, if only for several minutes this morning. Let's stop there and pray, please. Father, I do pray just that this morning. Uh, Lord, that you would 
uh, give us a heart uh, to love. You've made it possible for us to demonstrate love. And um, we know this morning that's a fact. We can see that in your word. Lord, anyone who would say that it's not a fact um, does not speak your word. We see this morning uh, clearly in your words that love is both commanded and possible and that it's made possible by you. Lord, I do pray again this morning that you give us a heart to take up this truth and to walk in it, taking care to be intentional, to be purposeful in demonstrating love to each other. Lord, we understand this morning that is a true biblical evidence of our salvation and where that is absent uh, in a life, there's great concern about that person's salvation. Father, give us a heart this morning. You've, you've given us a way. Now give us a heart to exercise that way, your love in and through us demonstrated to others. Lord, I understand this morning if we'll do that, uh, we'll be demonstrating love to you by obeying you. Lord, thank you this morning for the love that you make possible. It's, um, it's needed in our church, certainly in our world, and I thank you for it. I thank you that you make it possible. Lord, I thank you this morning that you bless us as we obey you. We don't deserve that, but we thank you for that this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for the grace to obey. And I pray this morning anyone say, I just don't have a heart to love. Well, maybe they need to examine if they've truly repented and placed their faith in Christ. Maybe they need to come to you and say, Lord, I've, I've not been obedient to demonstrate your love to others. I confess that. I ask you, Lord, for grace, your grace this morning uh, to put your love into action. And Lord, give me opportunity to do that even today even today at our 11 o'clock service. Lord, I love you this morning. I ask you to help me to love you better, more perfectly, more completely, for your honor and for your glory. Father, be with us as we, uh, each one as they travel to church this morning, uh, give them uh, traveling mercies, keep each one safe, prepare our hearts even now, Lord, uh, for the next hour, the 11 o'clock hour. Lord, love you and thank you and pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen.